Uh, I think for many of us, if we're honest, when we think about the Bible, generally the reaction, if not from us, at least from the people around us in our world today, is that the Bible is confusing, irrelevant, hard to understand, obviously, as part of confusing, but it just, it's, it's something that it's hard to see how it fits into our lives. If you've been around the church for any length of time, maybe you've gotten familiar enough with it. But, you know, somebody says, turn to such and such a book and such and such a chapter and verse, and maybe you start going, ah, Old Testament, New Testament, I don't even know what those things mean. And, you know, where do I flip from one to the other? Some of you have been raised in the church or maybe more recently have come to faith, and the scriptures have been something of life for you. But I think if we're honest, for many of us, it's, it's a bit of a struggle to know what to do with them. And so in this series, what we're trying to do is to wrestle with the things of, uh, that are core to our faith so that we understand what Christians teach about them, but also understand how we live with them, what we're supposed to do with these beliefs and thoughts. And so the core verse that we've had kind of starting into this series that I showed last week is one from Timothy here, 1 Timothy 4.16. And it said, watch your life and doctrine closely. Now, doctrine's not a word we use very often, but doctrine is simply a word describing teaching, the things that you believe. And this is Paul speaking to his young protege, Timothy, giving him instruction on how to be a good leader how to live life well in that with integrity. And so he says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. See, Christians aren't just about getting the right ideas. It's about having these ideas that lead us into a new way of life that's better, that's full and abundant, as Jesus said. And so what we want to do in this series, and what I want to do today as we talk specifically about Scripture, is to think about what Christians believe about Scripture, but more importantly, perhaps, is what we do with it, how we live it out. So let's let's go to a bit of a definition, and it might be overwhelming for you at first, but we'll break it down piece by piece as we go through today. So Scripture... So it starts with this premise behind where Scripture comes from and why we even have it. And this is the premise, that God wants to be known by humanity and communicates with us in a way that we can understand. Scripture was faithfully written by human hands, inspired by the Spirit of God, and is alive and active. As the Spirit illuminates it, the Bible is true and trustworthy in pointing us to God as the source of life and authority for living. Now, Christians have explained this and defined this in many different ways. This is my attempt to help us understand what Scripture is all about and what Christians believe about it. You're not going to find this definition in a dictionary per se, but I hope that as we walk through each of these sections and each of these little pieces as they come together, it'll give you a greater clarity about what we're talking about when we talk about Scripture. So let's, let's get into the first one. And I think it's the part that actually might be most, um, we might say, really? Because it says God wants to be known by humanity and communicates with us in a way we can understand. I'm sure in your life you've had a moment where you felt like, does God even listen to me? Can he hear me? Because I sure can't hear him. 
And so you might doubt that idea that God actually wants to be known by humanity. Certainly, this doesn't seem to be a given for everybody in the world. It's not inherently obvious to every person on the planet that God wants to be known. But Christians would step back and look at this and say, no, we believe that God does want to be known. And he's made efforts to be known. Now, let's think about this from just a logical perspective for a moment. If God didn't want to know, be known, we wouldn't be able to know him. He's God. So if he didn't want to be known that he exists or even be known by us, then we don't have any basis for having any kind of relationship or pretending to hear his voice. So we first of all have to start with this presupposition behind it all that God actually wants to be known. And flowing from that comes the idea that when he communicates with us, it's in a way that we can understand. Now again, that seems like, really? Because sometimes when I read the Bible, it's pretty confusing. And of course it is. But if we had no ability to understand him, it wouldn't be communication, would it? You know, some of you have pets and you are convinced that your dog understands you and communicates with you. And maybe to some extent there is some back and forth like that where, you know, he interprets some of what you do and so on. But if we were talking about a tree and a person What is the basis for communication there? See, as Christians, we believe, first of all, that God wants to be known, but also that when he speaks, it is possible for us to understand him. It doesn't always imply that that's going to be easy to do, or that we're not going to have to listen carefully. But it wouldn't be communication if it wasn't possible for us to understand it. And so behind all of this, as we think about Scripture, the first thing we need to know is that God wants to be known. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And that he speaks in a way that it's possible for us to understand. Now, I want to take you back just as we're, before we're really even getting into some of this uh, teaching about Scripture, I want to take you to an understanding of how we as human beings are created from the Bible. So we're going to use the Bible to explain itself a little bit, okay? It's like if if you were going to have a conversation with a person, you would ask them, help me understand you. Help me understand your life. Help me understand where you come from. And so that's the kind of conversation, so to speak, we're going to have with the Bible today. And let's look at it by considering this. One of the fundamental ideas of Christian teaching is that we are created to live by God's Spirit. You'll see where I'm going with this in a moment. The very beginning pages of the Bible talk about God creating the world and forming humanity from dust, but then he does something. It's not just dust. It's not just this empty, you know, ball of clay. It says this, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, I've talked before about this here, but when God is talking about God's breath, what we're talking about is God's spirit. So when God is creating humanity, what we're to understand from that, this isn't a scientific text by any means, but what we're to understand is that it's by God's spirit that humanity comes alive. We're meant to live based on the power of God's life itself, God's spirit. That's how we're created. That's what we are meant to be about. We're meant to be in this intimate relationship with God where our life is derived from his. 
And that's it from the very beginning pages of Scripture. Later on in James chapter 4, verse 5, there's this one verse that kind of calls back to that. And James does it almost as he's sort of, you know, it's an almost along the way he mentions this. But I think it says something to us that's really important. So listen to these words. Do you think the Scriptures have no meaning? That can be tempting for us sometimes. We open them and I don't understand what this means at all. Do you think the Scriptures have no meaning, James writes? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. So we are created to live by the Spirit of God. God is passionately desiring that we would be in a relationship with him, that the spirit that's in us would be responding to and faithful to the spirit of himself. That our spirit would be the spirit of God living within us. Now, that might be hard for us to understand, but that is the key basis for who we are as people and what it means for us to live. Now, from that comes the next step towards Scripture. Because, you see, it's one person alone who has fully lived in this way. Formed by God as a human being and full of the Spirit of God completely. And that person was Jesus. So listen to now the words of Jesus as he talks about this dynamic here for us on this next screen. So we see that the scriptures are full of spirit and life, just as we've been talking about, but we see that more specifically related to scriptures. In John 6, 63, Jesus says, The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Now this is, of course, something he said, and it's recorded in scripture. But all of scripture, all of this relationship between God and humanity is brought into clarity in the person of Jesus. And so what he is saying about himself is true about all that God says. It is full of spirit and life. In John 5, 39, Jesus said, uh, now he's correcting people who should know better, religious teachers, when he says this. You search the scriptures because they, you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. What's the point of your Bible? It's to bring you into relationship with God, that you might live by his breath, by his spirit, the way that you were created to be. And Jesus brings that into clarity for us. We are to see the scriptures as a way to see him. And so as we pay attention to the scriptures, it's not that we are loving a book, it's that we begin to love a person. And that's the whole reason for them. With that kind of basis of understanding that God actually wants to be known by us and communicates in a way that we can understand, that gives us life, let's keep going. The next section was faithfully written by human hands. Second Peter chapter 3, 15 and 16 says, This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. So, This is one of those letters we saw in the video. Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. And now he's talking about Paul, who was another passionate follower of Jesus. So this is kind of interesting because we're listening to Scripture talk about Scripture. We're listening to it talking about other parts of it. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you. Listen, with the wisdom God gave him. So it wasn't that Paul simply wrote on his own, but it was with the wisdom that God gave him. 
Speaking of these things in all his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. Here, Scripture is acknowledging that sometimes it's hard to understand. Some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. So yes, sometimes Scripture is hard to understand. And yes, sometimes people who are you know, kind of coming with their own things behind it, they twist it to mean something it could never possibly mean, never what God intended. Sometimes Scripture gets misused by the church, and unfortunately that's happened a lot of places where the Bible becomes like a club that hurts people. But the truth is that that club comes back around and it will destroy the people who misuse it. Now look at this. So we're seeing how human this is, that it's created. And in Galatians 6.1, it's talking about Paul. This is Paul writing now, the same Paul that Peter was talking about. And this is part of the letter. This is part of the Bible. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. The Bible is not hiding the fact that it was written by human hands. It's not embarrassed about that. It's not trying to disguise that fact from us. Other religions, other faiths, have this idea that their holy writings came from God and were just kind of dropped, sometimes even on literal golden plates. But here what we're being told is that Scripture came about by the work of human hands, and it's not embarrassed about that. We shouldn't shy away from that. There's this incredibly human element to it all. But we shouldn't be surprised by that because, as we saw a moment ago, Jesus himself was God coming to fully engage in human life, and yet somehow was more than that, transcended that into something greater. We saw the words that this was provided by the wisdom of God. It's not simply human effort, but like Jesus, it is something more. The Spirit is at work in it to do more than something human, but it's still human in its origins. This is a bit of a mystery. This can be hard for us to understand, but I want to take you now to another passage from Peter, Uh, Let's look at the next slide, where it's continuing to talk about being faithfully written by human hands. 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21. This is Peter's testimony. We were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't just write fairy tales, Peter is saying. We witnessed these things. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. So Peter is saying, we wrote down all the things we saw, and because we saw them, we actually believe all the things we've heard in the, in the rest of the scriptures. Because the things that seemed impossible to us were things we began to see with our own eyes. So he continues on. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. So pay close attention because it's going to start to illuminate your life. It's going to start to show you the way to life while everything seems dark around you until it becomes really clear what Jesus is up to. He goes on in verse 20. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from a human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit 
and they spoke from God. So what Scripture tells us about itself is that, yes, it's absolutely written by faithful human hands. There's this incredibly human origin to it all, but it's so much more than that. And if we think it's just coming from people who decided to write some great stories and try to make up some account of something, then we're missing what's really going on. The the people who wrote it are telling us that they saw these things with their own eyes and have written them down with the help of God's Spirit somehow. This is mysterious to us. It's hard to understand how that happens. But it's something greater than just simply human effort. And so let's keep leaning into that understanding as we look at this next passage. Uh, (coughs) The, The phrase that we're talking about here is this idea that it's inspired by the Spirit of God and is alive and active. Here's Timothy again. Timothy, who was instructed by Paul. Remember, these are real people in real relationships, and we are not hiding from the fact that these are actual human beings. Timothy records this. or This is Paul writing to Timothy, sorry. All Scripture is inspired by God, and here the word inspired is the same image that we saw when God created human beings. It's his breath. Another translation, a literal translation of that word inspired is God-breathed, just like at the beginning when God created human beings. Inspired is breathing in his spirit, okay? So all scripture is inspired by, breathed into life by God, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So yes, there's this incredible human element, but deep behind it, there's this mysterious contribution of the Spirit guiding, breathing life into it all. If human beings were to put it together, it would just be a pile of dust. But when it's God's presence by his Spirit comes upon this pile of dust, as it's formed together by his hand, it comes to life. It's active. It does things. It works. It moves. And that's because it's the Spirit of God within it. Let's keep going here. We talked about how the Spirit illuminates it and how important that is to our understanding. Jesus talked about the role of the Spirit in helping us to understand all of these things. Jesus in John 14, 26 said, When the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So there's this understanding that the scriptures record what God has said by the power of the Spirit, but also the Spirit then illuminates it as we read or hear it again. So God helps create it, And God helps us understand it by his Spirit. In both cases, it's the work of God's Spirit bringing it all about. First of all, to life in the first place. Second of all, to life for us as we read, as we listen. And so the Spirit illuminates it. And you might say to yourself, well, it just looks like a pile of dust to me. And maybe your Bible is collecting a lot of dust. But God's breath makes it alive. 
And when we read it and ask the Spirit to help us understand it, it comes to life for us and in us. There's this deep understanding of Scripture being something that is powerful and alive and active, and that it works constantly for us as the Spirit illuminates it. And then the next. We say that it is true and trustworthy in pointing us to God as the source of life and authority for living. Again, Peter, in 1 Peter 1, 23-25, you've been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. As the Scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Scripture is faithful in showing us life. Showing us the good news of Jesus. Helping us to know the full story. There's nothing that is needed for us to live that is hidden from us. The Bible provides all that we need to be able to have faith and to have life and to know the good news of a hope that goes on for eternity in Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry about being dust that just blows away in the end. We don't have to be a flower that fades. We don't have to be grass that withers. We can be enduring and lasting because the holy, eternal God lives within us. And the scripture reveals that to us and fills us and makes us in a new people. Again, it's a new birth, being born again. So, Scripture is true and trustworthy in pointing us to God as the source of life and authority for living. Saying that it comes from human origins doesn't mean that it was made up. Doesn't mean that it's wrong or that it might have gotten a couple of points inaccurate. Somehow, by God's presence of His Spirit within it, it is completely true and trustworthy. God hasn't allowed anything to be recorded that would misdirect us. There's nothing within it that will trip us up apart from perhaps our own misunderstanding of it, as we talked about earlier. Everything we need for life and faith is found in it. And if there's something that we need apart from it, well, that's not necessary for real life. Because God has ensured that all we need is there. To understand Him, to be in a relationship that knows God, and to hear from Him all that we need to hear. Let's keep going. Uh, There's further along this point of being true and trustworthy and pointing us to God as the source of life and the authority for living. We see in John 8, 4-7, Jesus says, anyone who belongs to God, in other words, if you're in a relationship with God, listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Again, he's speaking here words of condemnation to people who should know better. Let me ask you just simply that question reflectively for yourself. You don't have to answer out loud. Do you listen gladly to the words of God? Maybe I'm preaching to the choir. You're here today at least. Um, But do you listen gladly to the words of God on your own time? Does God's word actually cause you delight in the way that you live day to day? 
Or do you not listen because you don't actually belong to God? That's a challenging thought. Do you listen? Are you delighting in listening? Luke eleven twenty eight. in another conflict uh, situation, Jesus replies, even more blessed are all who hear the word of God, not just listen to it, and put it into practice. If God has told you how to live, but you just walk away from it and don't do anything about it, well, what was the point of that? But if he's given you instructions how to live and how to be part of life with him, to be flourishing, well, then the obvious logical decision to make is to do something about that, to act upon it, to build your choices around that, to have that at the center of your decision-making process. And to live according to his words for you, his instructions for you. Everyone knows the frustration of trying to, you know, put together a piece of furniture or something, right? Maybe from Ikea or whatever. And they've got all these little diagrams that don't have words because they think somehow that makes it easier. You can just see it. And a lot of you, maybe some of you men, women, you just kind of ball up those instructions. I'll figure it out. Then you're left with eight pieces at the end. And you wonder why it falls apart and you're buying another one in a year. If God has given you the instructions, why wouldn't we listen to them? Isn't it a waste of time and energy to try to figure it all out for ourselves? To have to do it all over again a year later? Let's listen to the words of God with delight. To recognize them as a source of life for us. They're true and they're trustworthy. There's power in them for us as a source of life. And because they come from God who created us, they have authority. They shape how we live, or they should. Let's go to the next slide here. And this is really um, how I want to end us. I want to sort of this is based on the, the scripture we looked at a few moments ago in 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17. And I want to just, this is a brief kind of understanding of how we live out scripture. Um, as not just a belief, but as a practice. And it's using the imagery of inhaling and exhaling because it's like breath. So when we are uh, engaging with Scripture, when we are reading Scripture, when we are listening to Scripture, we inhale the life-giving Spirit of God. Just as God created us and formed us in the beginning, it is our source of life. It's, we're breathing in the Spirit at work. So when we read Scripture, we are inhaling the life-giving Spirit of God. And what happens then is we exhale the life or the fruit produced by the Spirit of God. What that looks like is we are breathing in God. He is our source of life. And it starts to impact the way that we live, the choices that we make. And it starts to be that people would describe the way we relate to them as loving, peaceful, kind, gentle, self-controlled. These are signs and evidence that the Spirit is at work within us. And we're not going to get there on our own. We're just a pile of dust unless the Spirit of God is working within us. So when we read the Scriptures, we are finding the Spirit of God to be our source of life. And when He is our source of life, well, a tree will be known by its fruit, as Jesus said. And it will start to show itself in the way that we exhale good works, good relationships, 
character that is, well, good. When we read Scripture, we are inhaling truth and correction. Now, most of us don't like to be corrected, but let's be honest, if you were about to do something fatal, you would want to know that that was dangerous. You know, you know when my son is learning how to use a hammer or a power tool in my wood shop, that correction is life-giving. <laughs> no one wants to be corrected in the moment, but no one also wants to lose a finger. The Word of God, the Scriptures, give us truth and correction. And when we inhale that, when we read the Scriptures, we also exhale what is wrong in our lives. We get rid of the things, by understanding Scripture and all of that, we exhale the things that shouldn't be in our lives. Because of that truth. Because of that correction. Then we also, as we inhale, we have this prayer that we do. We ask the Spirit to illuminate your understanding, to prepare and equip you for good work. So we simply pray as we, as we sit down to read, Spirit, help me understand. Help it make sense to me, even just a little bit. And help me begin to understand that you are shaping me, preparing me, equipping me to do something with it. Whatever you show me, help me see that it is a preparation and equipping for me for my life. Help me understand it. And as we do that, we then exhale and ask the Spirit to help us put it into practice. To put the, into practice the good work that we've been prepared and equipped for. So first of all, we breathe in an understanding, a shaping, a forming of what it is that God has for us to do. But then we put it into practice. That's the exhale. Now let me ask you this question. How often do you want to breathe? How much life do you want to have? How dependent are you on breathing in and breathing out? Well, when it comes to actual oxygen, I'd say pretty dependent. <laughs> when it comes to your spiritual life, when it comes to who you are and who you were created to be, are you living in a way that's producing and demonstrating real life. Because if you're not breathing in, and you're not breathing out, according to Scripture, you're going to be dead inside. You'll be nothing but a pile of dust. You'll be empty, hollow, lifeless. So maybe you've been wondering, Oh, why is it that I don't seem to be growing in my faith? Well, are you reading Scripture? Are you delighting in it? Are you listening for the Spirit within it? Are you allowing God to shape you? Are you doing it regularly? You say to me, well, how regularly should, should I do it? How much do you want to live? How important is it to breathe? You shouldn't feel a sense of guilt or shame heaped on you by a certain schedule. But if you love God... Wouldn't you want to spend time listening to his voice? If you recognize him as a source of life, why wouldn't you breathe deeply every day in some way? You miss one day, it's okay. Pick it up the next day. If you miss a breath, what do you do? Take another one. <laughs> the wind gets knocked out of you. As soon as you can, you go, 
and breathe it back in. You know, I, when I was younger, I, I grew up with this very sort of legalistic understanding of how often we needed to do daily devotionals. That was the, that was the phrase. We had to do a daily, and we were told in no uncertain terms that the best possible time and place was in your room, first thing in the morning when you rolled out of bed, was to sit down and do your daily devotional, which was a reading of scripture. I am not a morning person. You guys should be thankful I'm here right now at all. <laughs> Listen, I want to do evening church again. (laughs) But, you know, I I had this guilt heaped upon me that I couldn't be a real Christian if I didn't get up and do daily devotionals every single morning. Some of you actually have had that experience too. And so then two days go by, three days, a week, a month even, and I just feel shamed. I feel like I'm not good enough for God. That's not how this works. That's not what it's about. He wants you to breathe. He wants you to have life. So so take it one little breath at a time. And if you miss a day, read the next. Don't worry if it's not the morning or the evening. Just how regularly do you want to breathe? How regularly do you want to live? You know, you skip a meal from time to time, but you find another one. And the same is true about how we nourish ourselves in our faith, in our life. We do it by breathing in what God says to us in scriptures and breathing out all of that into practice. That is the Christian doctrine of scripture. That's the understanding that we are meant to have. And that plays out in how we live. And if we're not living it out, it doesn't matter. It's just an idea. But if it shapes the way that we take a breath each day, then we're going to find ourselves growing and flourishing and having the life that God intended for us, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I don't don't teach you about the scriptures today to heap guilt or shame upon you, but to inspire you, I hope, with the Spirit of God to respond to God's Word, to love it, to know that it's a source of life for you, and to look for Him in its pages. Because it's so much more than dust. And we can be so much more than dust when we find him there. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that your words are full of spirit and full of life. That all of scripture points to you. So that we might have a relationship with you, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. So that we might know what it means for us to live. What we were created for. And so that we might find each day one that is alive and full and flourishing, that we can breathe in deeply from your source of life for us. And that the way that we live out from that is one that is not only life-giving to us, but to other people. That they see within us a character that is just wholesome and strong and peaceful and, and just completely, deeply integrated into your life. And that they recognize in that as we live together in community, the goodness of faith and of God, trusting in your promises for us. So God, thank you that you've given us scripture, that you want to be known by us, that you help us to understand it. Help us to turn to its pages to find you there and to know the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray.